Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. All right, would you turn over to 2 Corinthians? 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read to you out of a translation I've never read, uh, used in service before, and it's going to be interesting. See, this last week, you know what? Before I go any further, can we just pray real quick? Can we pray? God, we're just so grateful, so thankful for what you're doing in our lives. We appreciate all the good things that you do. Now, Lord, I'm asking this morning, Lord, for ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive exactly what you have for us, God. Lord, don't let this just be something that we do or something that's out of habit or something that's tradition, but God, let this be life-changing this morning in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. 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 This last week, I had the opportunity to pray with two people to make Jesus Lord of their life this last week. And, and man, just, you know, in that, in that moment and, and watching God just work in their life and watching them surrender uh, to him. Because this whole thing is about us surrendering to God. And I started thinking about, you know, what, what are you saved from? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us what we're saved from. Look at it. I'm going to read it to you out of the Worldwide English Translation. It says, so if any man belongs to Christ, he is a new person. His old life has gone. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus. You see, he has begun a new life. So the old life is gone and the new life has begun. And, you know, I've heard, well, let's look at Romans. Turn over to Romans now, chapter 12. And I'm going to read it to you out of the same translation, verse 2. Do not be like the people of this world who have, uh, but have a new mind. Then you will prove for yourselves what God wants you to do. That will be good. It will please God. And it will be all right. That means that we renew our mind by the truth of God's word. You know, you may, you may pray, you may receive Jesus, you may come to an altar, surrender your life to God. But then there's a renewal process that transforms. Because we just read, read 2 Corinthians 5.17 that all things have been made new, right? The old life is gone. The way that you used to be, that's over. You're going in a new direction. But that doesn't mean that things aren't going to try and come back to your remembrance. Well, do you remember when? Do you remember when? But we're supposed to transform our mind by the renewing, by the washing of the water of the word, right? Not the washing of the water of Disney Plus, right? We're supposed to wash our minds and renew our minds with the word of God. And I, you say, Phil, why are you saying this? I know this. Yeah, but it's not because, it's not that you don't know it. It's that many people don't do it. You know, I mean, we, we get saved and we get born again and we, get, we find out what we get saved from. Lord, thank you for saving me from hell. Thank you, Lord. Now, 
I have confidence when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Yeah, but that's what you were saved from. That's not necessarily what you were saved to, the only thing that you were saved to. See, we have to find out what was I saved from and what am I saved to. Because it's not enough just to be saved. I mean, how many of you want to slide into heaven by the skin of your teeth? You know, man, I gave you... uh, I gave you a new life, and, and, and well, there you go. Well, let me say it this way. I was, I was thinking, when I was 10 years old, I really wanted to own a Collie. Uh, we, you know, we lived out in the country, and I just had always wanted to have a Collie. Well, one day when I was 10 years old, my parents came home, and they, they drove up in, in their van, and they opened the, flung the door open, and out jumped this Collie. Oh, and I was beside myself. I just went, yes. I got a collie, and his name was Tracy. They had already named him by the time we got him, so we didn't feel to change his name because he'd been called Tracy for some time. And he was probably just a few years old. But when he jumped out, I thought something was interesting. He ran in circles constantly. And I thought, why does he keep running in circles? And I asked my dad, and dad said, you know, Tracy was raised in a cage up to this point. He had been in an oversized cage, but, you know, he couldn't get out and just run all the time. And so what he knew to do was to run in circles. And I thought, well, how many of us are like that? How many of us in life were running in circles? Maybe we got born again, but that's, that's where it ended. We got born again. All of a sudden we know, okay, thank you, Lord. You've forgiven me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to heaven. And, And that's where it ends. And your life begins to run in circles because you haven't found out where the open pasture is yet. And we find that out from the truth of the word. For weeks, we've been talking about the promises of God, all the things that God has promised us. Man, in, in blessing, in healing, in, uh, there's so many promises. Anything that you can find in the word that God has said to you, you can claim that as a promise. And, you know, but how many of us step into those? Because if you don't know the promises, how can you activate them in your life? See, if we only know what we're saved from, we're going to be like Tracy. But when we find out what we're saved to, man, there's freedom. Amen? So you guys remember in Matthew 25, you remember the parable about the talents. You remember there were, there were three guys that were given, given talents. And in the Greek, a talent is worth about 20 years of a day labor's wage. I mean, that's a, that's a good amount of money. That's enough money to go and to invest and multiply, right? And so the first two guys, that's what they did. They went, they invested, they multiplied theirs. But what did the last guy do? He took his and he went and he buried it. Why did he bury it? Because he was afraid. He was afraid to invest. He was afraid to take that and to multiply it, to duplicate it, right? And so what I'm asking you this morning is, what are we doing with what we've been given? We've been given a great gift. The gift of salvation is not just for me. It's for others. It's so I can communicate. I mean, as, I, as I've had this opportunity to minister to these people this last week, I was going, God, why are we afraid to talk to people? Why are we afraid to share God's word with people? Why, you know, what is it that holds us back? It, it's fear. It's fear of man. Remember what it says in Proverbs 29, 25? It says the fear of man will prove to be a snare to you. It ties your hands. Shut your mouth. 
You know, all of us are supposed to sit down on the plane and just close our mouths. I remember I sat next to a guy on an airplane one time and we started talking and he said, and what do you do? You know, I said, well, I pastor a church. And he said, well, that's one thing I don't talk about is religion. I said, well, that's good because I don't talk about religion either. <laughs> I said, I, I have a relationship with Jesus. And he didn't want to hear anything that I had to say. But the important thing is that you have something to say. The important thing is that we open our mouths and we are unashamed. Amen. Study to show yourself approved. What does that mean? That means you've got something to show. God wants to show something through you. Is there something that stops the water from flowing out of your life? The water of the word of God. The water of his message. So I've got some what if questions for you this morning. Are you guys ready? One person is ready. You guys ready? And she's my wife. She's always ready. She only has one, one phase and that's ready. So here's my, what, here's my first what if question. What if we were so on fire with Jesus that we truly didn't care what other people thought? What if the opinions of others never hurt our heart again because we care more about what God thinks than we do about what other people think? That's my first what if. What if we stop trying to fix people? Fix their theology. Man, oh, you know, I, did you hear what they said? And you want to go and you want to fix what they said. Man, I did that, guys. I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but I did it for a while. And it does not work. Because you know what? I found out I'm not the Holy Spirit. That was an eye-opening moment for me. <laughs> it was sad that I needed to be taught that. But what if we fixed ourselves to love people instead of fix them. Remember what Billy Graham said? He said, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's, the, it's our job to, to love. To love people. So that means even when they don't treat you the way you want to be treated. I heard one minister say it this way about, he was talking about submission, but it applies the same way. And he was talking about submission and he said, it's not really submission until you don't agree. And I went, you know, you were so right. I mean, it's easy to walk in agreement with people. That's not submission. That's why we agree. But then when your leader wants to do it another way. I remember I, I served a pastor for many years in Austin, Texas, and I was pretty much his right-hand guy on a lot of things, and so I, I got to see the intimate inward workings of a large ministry and what, and what happened, and, and so there were some times I didn't agree with a decision that he made. I didn't agree all the time, and I remembered struggling with that because I wanted to agree all the time, and then, and then we went through that. We, you know, we went through this series, and I heard that minister say that, that it's not submission until you don't agree. And I said, God, help me with this. And I remember God gave me a word. He said, is it principle or is it preference? Do you prefer a different color? Do you prefer it to look a different way? Do you prefer it to be done a different way? Because, you know, you need to submit to what he wants to do, if that's the case. Or does it cross a principle line? Is he asking you to do something illegal, something against your principles, against your moral character. I said, no, it's just, it's a, and when I discovered it was a preference issue, man, it was a whole lot easier to walk in submission. Well, when you don't care about fixing people, it's easier to love them, isn't it? Yeah. 
Some spouses are trying to fix their spouse. They're trying to fix their wife. They're trying to fix their husband. In fact, some people have even married their spouse with the idea that they're going to fix them. <laughs> ah, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not you. Uh, let me move on. John 16, verse 8. John 16, verse 8 says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Who? Who is this talking about? This is talking about the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so again, it's not our job to fix people. But it's also not our job to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Oh, Phil, I'm, I don't have a problem with that. I'm not, I'm not the Holy Spirit in anybody else's life. Yeah, but what about your kids? Are you trying to be the Holy Spirit for your kids? Maybe your kids are adult, adults. Maybe they're trying to make decisions, and, and they can't because they feel like, man, you know, I don't know, I don't know my parents are you know, telling me not to do that. And, you know? I mean, as a parent, sometime, sometimes it is a little frustrating because you want to help your son. Son, don't drive on a tire that's not inflated all the way. That, that won't work well for the tire. You're going to blow your tire out. You know, but they continue to drive on it, and then you're replacing a tire. And what do you want to do as a parent? You want to go to them and say, I told you so. Phil, you're getting personal now. John John 13, 34 says this, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Love one another. Here, here's another what if question. What about this one? What if instead of listening to messages, we became contagious spreaders of the message? Oh, what if we did? You know, because we, we talked a couple weeks ago and I, I just really felt in my heart I was supposed to bring it back up again. We have turned into Christian... All right, let me, let me back up before I say that. Okay, I don't want to release that one yet. What, what would happen to you? Don't worry, it'll, it'll come. I just want to be a little softer with it. Uh, let's, <laughs> what would happen if you sat on the couch all day and you just ate foods that are rich in fat? And I mean, they're, you know, they are deep fried and they're chip. I mean, what's going to happen? You're going to couple of things. You're going to blow up, aren't you? You're going to get pretty big. You may even be on that My 600 Pound Life show, right? This may be you. Why? Because you're eating, and you're eating, and you're not exercising. Why do you think I bought a bike? I need to get outside. Helps me get outside more. No, but I mean, if you didn't exercise, if all you did was eat, and you sat on a couch all day, you're going to blow up. Well, yet Christians do this. They listen to CDs. They listen to ministers. They listen to preachers all the time. And then they become critics and they begin to, you know, well, I like, I like this guy. Well, yeah, he's pretty good. But man, have you ever listened to this dude over here? Yeah, well, he's pretty good. Have you ever heard this woman? Man, she's amazing. And the way the word comes out of here. You ever heard this person? You ever heard that person? And we become critics. That we want to listen to the most popular. We want to listen to the you know, we, we prefer, prefer this person. Yeah, I don't like that person. Man, you know, no, I don't want to listen to that. I want to listen to this person. And, but we've become listeners. But are we doing as much as we're 
listening. It's possible to listen so much, to go to conferences, to listen to teachers all the time, to take, you can have stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of spiral notebooks with notes from all of your conferences, from all of your series that you've listened to, and not lead a single person to the Lord. Man, I just, I, I got to tell you guys, this last week just convicted my heart. I just said, man, God, I, I've, I've been missing the boat. I haven't been sharing your love the way that I need to on a daily basis, on a consistent basis. I, I, I've cared too much. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't feel like this is the time to step out. And, and what happens is you see that adversity that all the potentials. What if I fail? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do the wrong thing? What if I make a mistake? What if they don't like my theology? What if I've got something hanging out of my nose? I don't even know it. I, people think that. Maybe, maybe it's just me. But uh, do, let me tell you something. Doers are the ones that get results. They are. So what if instead of being news reporters, we became newsmakers yes. and we got out there? What if, here's another what if question, what if we have been saved for divine purpose? Turn over to Acts 20. Acts 20, and I want to read to you out of the NLT version. It's a great verse. Verse 24, Acts 20, 24. In the NLT, it says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it. Man, if we stopped right there, that would be great. The first eight words of that verse. My life, but my life is worth nothing to me. Is it? Man, I remember when the Lord dealt with Nicole and I that <clears throat> I, I had prayed I'd prayed a prayer, and I said, Lord, I, we were doing a lot of stuff, and we were doing good things. We were in ministry. We had started a church in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were, man, we were, doing a lot of, we were doing a lot of good things. But how many of you know you can do good things, and you can still be spinning your wheels? You can still be like Tracy in that cage running in circles. And that's what, how I felt. I felt like even though we had done all these amazing, you know, that God had opened these doors, but I felt like I was spinning in a circle. And I finally just threw up my hands and I said, God, what do you want me to do? I lay everything else down. I want to do what you want me to do. I dare you to pray that prayer. <laughs> Changed my life. And then, not, I mean, it wasn't even maybe a week later. And I got, a, I got an email uh, from a friend of mine who said, hey, you know, I, I'd like to talk to you sometime. Let me know when you, have, you and Nicole have available time. And the Lord spoke to my heart right after I read that email. And he said, he's going to ask you to come and travel in ministry with him. And are you willing to give everything away? Now, I remember a situation in the Bible with the rich young ruler. Jesus asked him to do the same thing. Do you guys remember that? He asked him to give everything away. And come and follow him. And he said, you'll have treasure in heaven. Heaven lasts forever. Earth is, we get this little section of existence that we get to spend on earth. And I remember, man, I, I'm like you. I like my stuff. It had taken 20 years to, to accumulate a lot of those things. We had saved for months and even years and prayed, you know, that we would be able to, to get some of the things that we had. 
And I had this knot that jumped up in my throat. But you know that knot was not my faith. That was feelings. But I, I, was, I was, some people choke on it though. And I said, I said, yes, sir. We'll give it away. And he wasn't, he was talking about everything. And I remember when we gave the first big ticket item, something that I just, you know, was dear to my heart. And we gave that away. It was like this weight came off of me. I didn't realize it, but there was a weight on me that was attached to this item. And when I gave it away, it was like the weight came off of me. Why? Because now I'm stepping into what God has for me and I'm stepping out of the things that I hold dear in my life. You guys get it? So, but my life is worth nothing to me unless, unless, everybody say unless. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus for the work Telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I have an assignment. And my assignment is to tell people how good God is. How much he loves them. How much he cares about them. Well, Phil, you don't understand. I don't have a testimony. Yes, you do. I don't care if you got saved when you were three years old. And you're like, Nicole, you've lived for God all of your life. Do you have a testimony, honey? Yes, she does. You have a testimony. Everyone was bound for one destination, but God saved all of us. Yes. Not just the murderer, not just the drug addict, all of us. So two more, and then I wanna, I wanna talk about something else for a moment. But what if we knew that we were sons and daughters of God? How would we change the way that we see, believe, and live? What if we became ambassadors of hope for people and destroying hell became our mission? Um. So one, thing's that, one thing that seems to stop people is adversity. You know, when you begin to step out and you begin to share your faith, you begin to talk to people about Jesus. And, and you begin to be overtly Christian. You know, because we've been real good at being introvert Christians. Nobody knows until they see a fish on your car. Nobody knows until, you know, they see you had a Bible with you or yeah I saw you walk out of church the other day I didn't know you were saved that that's not a compliment is it okay so what I felt to do is is do this there are benefits to adversity and I want to give you some benefits to adversity are you guys ready my wife again she's ready the rest of you come on guys all right (laughs) it's all good all right so benefits to adversity. Number one, adversity creates resilience. Nothing in life breeds resilience like adversity and failure. It does. It does. You th- Listen to this. Time Magazine did a study in the mid-1980s described uh, the, the incredible resilience of a group of people that had lost their jobs because they'd lost their jobs three times and had to go and find other jobs. And so the psychologists thought that those people would be really down and depressed and down and out, but they weren't. They were actually uh, more motivated. And, and what they found was the people that had lost their job and found new jobs at least twice were less apprehensive about it when they got laid off the third time. They went out and got another job. Hey, I've been here. I've done this before. You know, but the people that, were, that it depressed them were the people that had had the same job for a really long time, and then they were laid off. They didn't know what to do. Adversity creates 
resilience. See, the more you spread the gospel, the more resilient you become. The more you get in front of people and you make mistakes. Hey, don't be afraid to make mistakes. I made a good one the other day. I felt impressed. I, I, well, I made several, but I, let me tell you about one. Okay? Don't laugh. You've made some, right? Um, and so I, I really felt in my heart that I was supposed to go and pray for this person. And I said, man, Lord, that's okay. I'll go and pray for him. And, and I went and, and, and I said, do you mind if I pray for you? I said, I said I'm just really having it in my heart. I'm supposed to pray about this situation that you're walking through. And they said, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. And so I began to pray. And as I'm praying, I don't know what happened. My brain disconnected from what I was saying. Have you ever had that happen? And, and, I, I, and I said, and I misquoted a scripture, let God be a liar. And she started laughing. And I said, no, no, I didn't mean that. I let every man be a liar. Let God be true. Let God's word be true. Yeah, you know, but God's grace is here, isn't it? Number two, adversity develops maturity. Adversity can make you better if you don't allow it to make you bitter. If you don't get bitter, you'll make it. You'll get better. Amen? Listen to what, this is an American playwright, and I hope I say his last name correctly, William uh, Soroyan. He said this, good people are good because they've come to wisdom through failure. We get very little wisdom from success, you know. Yeah. So the problems we face overcome, and the problems that we overcome prepare our hearts for difficulties. See, when we, when we talk to people about Jesus and, you know, we're concerned about how they're going to perceive it, then you're going to fail. We should be more concerned about what God wants us to do, what he's speaking to our heart, right? And then number three, adversity teaches us to fall successfully. You say, what does that mean? Let me... Let me read this to you. I thought it was so interesting. Um, this guy named Lloyd told of a friend who was a circus performer in his youth. The fellow described learning to work on the trapeze in this way. He said, once you know that there's a net below that will catch you, you stop worrying about following. You actually learn to fall successfully. What that means is you can concentrate on catching the trapeze, the trapeze swinging toward you and not on falling because repeated falls in the past have convinced you that the net is strong and reliable when you do fall. The result of falling and being caught by the net is a mysterious confidence and, a dare, and, and daring. It gives you a, a daring attitude on the trapeze. You fall less and each fall makes you Able to risk more. Man, when we fall, God is the net. And he's ready to catch us. You might have made us some mistakes. You might have tried to share your faith with your relative. And maybe they blasted you for it. You know, you might, you might have tried to be a witness to this person over here. Phil, you don't understand. They, you know, they just, they land blasted me. They just laid me out. They were, they were blanking that and blanking this and you blanking that. Listen, we got to, what's more important? What they say or what God says? What he feels about you? Man, so important. Number four, adversity reveals greater opportunity. It eliminates limits on your potential. It uses setbacks and opens doors uh, to greater opportunities. 
You know, I think about this. In 1978, Bernie Marcus uh, was a man that was working for a company. It was, a, it was called Handy Dan, and it was a retail company that, you know, helped people with, uh, har- with uh, hardware. And so anyway, he got fired from this company, and he decided when he was fired that he was going to join forces with a friend of his, and they were going to start a company. Well, you know what that company wound up being? Home, the Home Depot. See, in adversity, the adversity of being fired launched him into where God had, what God had for him. So be willing to risk, and God will open doors for you to be able to minister to people. Phil, it's not comfortable for me. You don't understand I'm not a people person. You're looking at somebody that wasn't a strong people person either. But every week... I go, to, I go to places and I go to meetings so that I can get in front of people and I can begin to talk to them. And it's uncomfortable for me, but that's good. Because what does com- com- uncomfortable, uncomfortability do? It causes you to begin to practice. It causes you to begin to step up and get better at it. Otherwise, you'll just think you're a failure. But you are not a failure. God has made you an overcomer. He said, greater am I in you than he that is in the world. So, man, when God is inside of us, man, there's nothing that we can't do. If you could believe that you could do anything, what would you do today? If you believed that you couldn't fail at it, what would you do? Because you, we should use failure and adversity to our advantage. When it happens, it should be a launch pad to do greater things for God. Well, Phil, I tried to witness that person. They didn't. They hurt my feelings. Well, they're not supposed to be able to hurt your feelings. Your feelings were supposed to be crucified with Jesus. Come on. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. What does it mean to take up your cross? It means you need to die on it. Deny yourself means deny what I want to do and take up what God has called me to do. It was not comfortable for us to give everything away and hit the road in ministry full-time with no guarantee of a salary. Yeah, choke on that one. No salary. And you're going, God, I'm not a fundraiser. But do you know many other people were asked to go and do that before us, and they all wanted a guarantee. They wanted somebody to guarantee that they were going to have a salary. You know, we want to we drag our life behind us. Jesus, I'll come and follow you, but I'm going I'm to carry this wagon. I'm going to bring this wagon with me. It's got all my stuff in it. It doesn't work that way. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, right? Yeah. And then number six, I'm going to go ahead and ask the musicians to come. Number six, adversity unveils the unexpected. I love this. I thought this was so good. Edison discovered the phonograph while he was trying to invent something entirely different. Kellogg's cornflakes, you know how they were developed? They resulted when boiled wheat was left on the baking pan overnight. Ivory soap floats because a batch was left in the mixer too long and it, and it amassed a, a great volume of air whipped into it and it causes to, caused it to float. Scott towels were launched. Talk about towels. Scott towels were launched because toilet paper uh, machine put too many of the layers together 
too many layers of the tissue together, and, and all of a sudden they had Scott towels. They made them bigger, too. Horace Walpole said this. He's an English writer, historian. He said, in science, mistakes always precede truth. Isn't that interesting? And then the last one is adversity can motivate. Adversity can motivate. I love this. Uh, This was spoken by Bill Vaughn. He was an American columnist and author. He said this. In the game of life, it's a good idea to have a few early losses, which re... Uh, relieves you of the pressure of trying to maintain an undefeated season. See, right now, we, we just got a new coach, football coach in Arkansas, didn't we? Right now, he's undefeated. Because he hadn't played a single game yet. He's undefeated. But if the pressure is on staying undefeated, it's not going to happen. Why would you put that pressure on yourself? You know, yeah, you're going to get out there. You're going to make some mistakes. I made some mistakes when I was courting Nicole, when I was trying to get her to like me. I was trying to get her to be impressed with me. Didn't I make some mistakes? She tried to fix this. She fixed some things right away. One, one is I, I, you know, I know earlier I told you not to fix people, but she was really good at it, you know. (laughs) She was crafty. I don't know. So women are like that. But anyway. But I used to wear, like, white socks all the time with everything. Didn't matter. You know, black pants, white socks. Because I, I was a guy. We wear what's clean, not necessarily what matches, right? Okay, I was the only one that did that to you, right? I don't believe you. But anyway, I, but I, you know, and so she said, Honey, you know, you, may, you got any other socks that kind of match your pants? And, oh, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, so I, you know, I, she, but she helped me. But I'm, I, all my point is, I made a lot of mistakes with her. Did she love me less? Did God close that door? No. See, there are people waiting on the other side of our obedience. But so many people were, were afraid to step out because we're afraid that we're going to make a mistake. We're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. We're afraid of what they might think about us. Yeah, they're fanatics, man. That fanatic Christian. What kind of Christian are we supposed to be? What do you mean I'm a fanatic because I pray? We were in a, we were in a restaurant, and and uh, and I asked this lady. I said I said could you? I said you work in the restaurant business. I said does your back ever hurt you? And she goes, man, it, yeah, I have these two discs right now. It's really hurting me right now. I said could I pray for you? She said would you? Man, she was just waiting for somebody. You know, and I, man, we prayed for her. Who, who got healed recently? Somebody got healed recently, and you were telling me that we had prayed, and uh, you saw them. Yeah, Northwest Hospital, we had prayed in the last meeting. Um, her husband was having gallbladder, some kind, of, some kind of problem. And so we prayed there in the meeting with his wife, and we just took a moment. And it's okay if other people are walking around. It's okay if the nurse turns around. Susan, was that her name? Oh. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. I knew I was venturing out there and I didn't have all the information. But my point is, is that we prayed and a change happened. That God moved in his, in his physical body. And it happened at the same time that we prayed. 
He said it was the oddest thing. About this time, all of a sudden, I started to feel better. Now, wouldn't that be a blessing? Man, I, all, I'm, all I'm encouraging you to do, I mean, if you can get one thing out of my message today, it's can we live out loud? Can we stop being this closet Christian? You know, one of the reasons that we had service today was I was like, wait a minute, everybody goes, still goes to Chick-fil-A, everybody still goes to Come and Go, everybody's still dropping by Casey's. I, I went to Walmart yesterday, and there was way more than a thousand people at Walmart. I thought, what are we doing? Why are we, why would I cancel service when it's, when it's the Word of God that gives hope? Now, if they tell me, hey, you know, you're not allowed to meet with more than, you know, 50 people, we're actually still good, I think. I think we're still under 50 right here. But, you know, no more, no gatherings over 25, then we'll do two services, bless God. We'll have 25 people a service, you know, and we'll close the door. But my point is, is that, you know, we can't be moved by fear. Look around you. Look in our country right now, and you can see visibly what fear produces. It's happening. It's happening. But what is fear producing in your life? Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.